Hey, this is Mike Bob, and I'm a guy who used to make things, and sometimes I still do. These days, I prefer making podcasts, and I have a new one called Soundtrack to My Life. On this podcast, I talk to different creative people about the music that shaped them. Sometimes the conversations are funny, and sometimes they're just kind of sweet. I love that Pina Colada song. Yeah, I do. Rihanna has had a huge impact on my songwriting. I'm diving into the ocean, finding that one fish that has the toxins, and I'm just drinking those toxins all day. Maybe they're saying, like, you should now go forth and rock. It's like a peace be with you situation. I also have a playlist called F Jams. One and two. <laughs> Just in case. We dance to a jazz version of my favorite things. Soundtrack to my life. It's available exclusive on Spotify. It's a exclusive. I'm going to try to make that word take off. It's a music plus talk show, meaning I can play songs in their entirety. So think of this as an interactive playlist with some of the coolest creative people I know. And you should know, too. Soundtrack to my life. A Spotify exclusive. Hi, I'm Mike Bobbitt. I am a lot of things. I'm a comedian, I'm a podcaster, I'm a writer, an actor, and a storyteller. But most of all, I'm a dad now. Movies were an important part of my childhood, and I'm hoping they'll be an important part of my kids' childhood, too. So through this podcast, I talk to my friends about movies that were important to them when they grew up, and I also talk to my friends who are parents about their experiences introducing their own kids to movies. This is Movies for Kids. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever grow up. Sometimes I wonder if I know it's me. I know it's me. I am talking to my friend Quentin Hicks, who is an actor who I was a humongous fan of before I was lucky enough to get to call him my friend, <laughs> who is an actor that I am a humongous fan of. How's it going, Quentin? Oh, we're hanging in there. Thanks, uh, yeah. thanks for talking to me. Yeah, I am really curious about your experiences being a dad because you are a creative person. Yeah. And, um, well, first of all, what movies did you grow up with? And do you think they affected your desire to want to be an actor or? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I grew up as an only child. Um, okay. ha have a lot of cousins and stuff, you know, and the extended family. But, you know, you, you have to seek entertainment um, to entertain yourself when you're in that position. You know, um, my parents divorced at a pretty young age. So, you know, even when my mom was working and stuff, I just, you know, you have to entertain yourself. So a lot of movies, a lot of uh, television shows that I kind of just really would just soak, soak in and digest. And I, I do think that greatly uh, affects and, and comes into play when I'm doing characters and and even in some of my teaching now with uh, improv and theater, I can feel it. I know it. I, I actually like reference a few shows and movies so many times that uh, I know I'm very guilty of it. You and I are about the same age. I'm finding this resurgence with people that are in their 20s yeah. where they are so familiar with the stuff that you and I grew up with. Yeah. Are you finding that too with your students? Yeah, I think so. I think that the... The volume, the catalog that's, you know, at at the, you know, end of a button for 
the younger generation to to view some of these films is great you know where we had to uh, what you know send the penny into columbia house to get some vhs <laughs> tapes and you know and you know maybe you see something first run or whatever but i can remember being the age you know i'll be 40 i'll be 46 this october so we're pretty close yeah yeah was that your like subtle way of just rubbing in the fact that <laughs> i'm two years older than you? no i just i just both and i just envisioned both of our uh, chins with white hair in it and it's it sucks <laughs> but you're aging much better than i am though. <laughs> well you know it's because i shave my head i realize because i get that compliment a lot it's like man you look just like you did it's like well if you could see if i grew my hair out i'd definitely be like uh rutger Hauer or something i'm pretty sure <laughs> or Hulk Hogan. Yeah, because i've been well i i've been watching you perform for the last 18 years yeah. and my memory is that you haven't aged at all in 18 <laughs> years where i feel like as soon as i moved back from la like i just fell apart <laughs> like, like it was some sort of lying about my age so i could get roles in yeah, la yeah. like i can't move back and it's like this is the penalty you pay <laughs> yeah I, you know i think when you stay around locally you get preserved almost <laughs> right so yeah when you came back you almost you know you pruned your man it happens or me maybe it's because i don't have all that sunshine anymore oh man tell me i I just wish we had that right now you know i know what i was saying is because of our age i i don't know if you remember this but like you know the the invention of the vhs like the vcr oh yeah absolutely uh, when that we were one of the first families that had one i remember we bought Star Wars on VHS, yeah. and it cost a hundred dollars. Yeah, 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 exactly. For the, VHS, tape. Yeah, yeah, and the player itself was like eight hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But because of that, there was just like this big influx of movies that you know we were recording everything. I remember one tape would have like six horror films on it. You know. Yep. So and then you know like I was at that age where like you know I'd kind of be sneaking watching it, but then also given permission to watch it because the family was watching it. You know or where you were at and it's like i think i grew up on some pretty heavy slasher films that i don't know if uh i don't even know if i would let my son even comprehend what those movies were about you know but right it uh it definitely definitely gives you a sense of uh, genre and perspective on you know your comedy and your thinking my mom had this rule with the video store that I could ride my bike to. I could rent any rated R movie as long as it was rated R because it was uh, because of violence, yeah, either because yeah. it was a slasher movie yeah. or a Stallone or Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. I just couldn't rent a rated R movie if it was rated R for sex. And I'm like, right. you know, Freddy Krueger and Jason aren't slashing up pure teens. <laughs> That's the girl who lives to the end. Right. So. Right. And then, yeah. you know, you would talk with your buddies and, like, try to figure that stuff out. It's like, well, what movie can I do this, 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 and this, and still get around that loophole? And I think it was, uh, was it? Thanks for the ride, lady. I, I can't, it, it was part two. So it was either Twilight Zone part two or maybe, I can't remember. Creep Show part Creep two. Show part two. So, like, you, yep. that movie, you know, like, just watching all the way through. And then when they get out on the lake, hey, you know. <laughs> so it's the best yep. of both things. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I saw any female nudity growing up that didn't involve that naked female meeting an untimely and horrific demise shortly afterwards, which I'm sure did not affect me 
and uh, my adult life at all. So. Sometimes it's a bonus, though, man, because like whenever I hear that car song, I think of Phoebe Cates coming out of that pool. Like that's my generation and fast. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. High, you know that's yep. there. That's there. And it's funny too because I don't think people really realize that Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a very dark and somber movie. Oh yeah. I think we remember Spicoli and Phoebe Cates. Yeah, you remember the fun bits, but you don't remember that these, some of these kids were going through a horrendous time with no yeah. parents around, with no parents ever around to help them. Yeah, yeah. Now, and it's a lot easier for me to say because my son is still a baby. Right. But yeah. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, but I think maybe I should show him Fast Times at Ridgemont High because it shows you the good and the bad sides of yeah. being a high school student. But I don't know. What's your take on that, having an older Something yeah, yeah, have. he'll be uh, he'll be thirteen here um, in about six weeks. So hopefully he'll we'll be able to have him a party. I don't know, but um, are you in a hurry to show him stuff like Breakfast Club and Fast Times, or not necessarily? See, we're we're going through that right now in in both novels and film with Stephen King specifically, because my son okay, really yeah. loves to read, and um, his coursework in class right now they're really pushing it on him. He's reading reading at a really good level, and mm-hmm. he was asking me about Stephen King's It, the novel, wanting that book, you know, probably about eight eight or nine months ago. And I was like, well, why don't you try this, this, and like I was throwing Cujo at him and a few of the others. Because I remember as a kid reading it and like, you know, the book version versus the television series, I wasn't ready for him just yet. But since then, in that nine or ten months, like in, in you know, in parent-teacher conferences and stuff, I think he grasped the situation between like the reality and whatever. And he he did read it. He ended up going through that whole book in like a week and a half. You know. Yeah. Um. So that was a big thing. Was like remembering which Stephen King films and books that I could actually give him permission to, or we could actually give him permission to play around with and explore you know he he hasn't read uh, the body yet which is stand by me that's the one i've been right on him. but i think that i think that that's a great film that he needs to see yeah that's kind of interesting because i grew up with stephen king and i don't know and i should have my mom on another episode she's on the first episode of this yeah but i wonder if she was selective about what stephen king i could read and what stephen king i wasn't allowed to read well see um, i mean that then I mean, that was coming out fresh. You know what I right. mean? Like, it was like, oh, his new novel. So, like, we were kind of reading it together and then figuring it out as we went along. But, like, because the these novels and these books that he's interested in have a shelf life and I grew up with them, you know, I have a little more reference with them. So, I mean, that might be something like, you know, if you ask her maybe about, like, Mark Twain or something like that, you know, that is there a reason, is there an element why it's not as popular now or, like, when we were that age, like, to stay away from certain films? Right. Yeah. What were you most excited to show your son? Uh, Film-wise? Yeah. Man, you know, I, I kept some of, my, some of my original Star Wars action figures. Okay. So, like, when they, you know, started making the newer films there. But, like, when he got to be an age, like, I actually gave him the figures. I had, like, little 3PO and Yoda and some of the Jawas and stuff. And, you know, to watch that with him was awesome. His mother and I really love Willow and a princess bride like you know yeah recite it and everything and he's watched it with us but it is what it is how do you weigh in on the order of star wars movies to introduce yeah it's tough you know he's i think he definitely likes the newer versions much better okay 
Yeah, he, um, I think with his time off here, he's watched that Revenge of the Sith, I think. That's his favorite, I think. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, you know. So when you say newer, you mean the prequels, not necessarily like uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, I think so. Wow, okay. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just because of the droid involvement or who knows exactly. You know, he's really, uh, really into... uh, Obi-Wan, so I think that uh, has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, I hope they do make this series that they're supposed to make with you and McGregor. Yeah, and you know, uh, we really latched on together as a family to watch The Mandalorian, man. I just, to me, that's what has been missing all along was, you know, the, this, the look of these other characters, you know? Right. And, and none of them have stereotypical voices. You yeah, know, they just have these voices that are regular, or it's like very distinct. But it's like, oh, that's supposed to be an Arab, or oh, that's supposed to be. <laughs> I, you know, those. I found a lot of them pretty offensive, man. When Lucas was behind the rain like that, and it's not. Yeah, it's not the case anymore. So I'm going to go out and say this, and I, I'm not saying this as hyperbole either. You are the most versatile actor I am friends with. I have seen you play in your one man show alone, such a huge variety of characters, but I've also seen you in other stuff where you play characters beyond the characters that you play in your one man show. Growing up, was it the movie stars that you were most interested in or were you more into the character actors on the side? Oh yeah. It was always the secondary, like the B and C guys. Like I, yeah. uh, like even to this day, like if I pull up like uh, Wikipedia or IMDb, I'm always seeing if those guys, what those guys are up to, what they're around uh, doing yeah. and stuff. Like when you know when Conan the Barbarian had his films out there, <laughs> I yep. just you know like Tracy Walters, you know you see him in almost everything, every other film when I was a kid. Abs- yeah. Absolutely everything I've ever written has a role for Tracy Walter in it. <laughs> That's the best. That's yep. the best. <laughs> Everything I've created has a role for Tracy Walter. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, is yeah. my favorite actor. And I'm still bummed that I met Daniel Roebuck. We were hanging out at a radio thing, and he was super nice and invited me to his house to look at his Halloween mask collection. <laughs> and I got as far as pulling his phone number out when I was in LA one time. And I was like, I'm going to give Daniel Roebuck a call. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't want to do that. That's just weird. Uh. And... I never did it, and I don't know where his phone number is anymore. And part of me feels bad that I've written a joke about that, but <laughs> I've since framed it around the fact that he is an amazing actor. In The River's Edge, Daniel Roebuck's first movie role and every scene is opposite of Dennis Hopper, and he's just as good, at, if not better, than Dennis Hopper in it. Yeah. And and what a nice thing to do to just say hey complete stranger when you're in la come on out and see me like i so i frame the joke around the fact that he is the nicest person in the world but it's still weird to invite a complete stranger to your house to look at your collection of masks yeah yeah. that's an awesome story though man it really is yeah you know uh, one of my favorite shows growing up that i think i still kind of emulate in how i create characters was the andy griffith show it was the yeah. uh, it was a supporting cast like just they were real genuine people so when i'm playing somebody older or somebody that has like a lesser intelligence whatever you know you you try to capture those re- those mannerisms those realisms so that you're not doing anything insulting 
you're just trying to play it as true as possible and you'll realize some of that's that's where some of the humor comes from you know and the delivery of that line but you're saying it as some as somebody that is going through their life where the biggest thing to happen to them to that day is that they got an extra small fry going through the drive-through you know what i mean like right to me to them that's the biggest thing in the world that day so like you just become that character so they're kind of grounded and a lot of my uh cast and working with second city and stuff you know i'm i, I think i view myself as kind of humble but you know a oh, lot definitely. of thank you thank you but a lot of the time i remember from memory is like you know uh tim robinson and brett Gunnell when we were writing a show uh like 17 years ago, like Timmy and Brett would always say, like when, when you do a character, you really do become that character. And um, I appreciate that, man, because that's what you're going for. But I hate yeah. watching it. I hate watching a recorded version of it because it's like in my head, it's like, oh, that's kind of not what I was going for. I mean, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. But like the way that it comes across, you know, I can clearly see the difference on, you know, in the transformation from where I'm become, from taking the character. But in the delivery... It's still getting the same response. It's still getting a good response on what I'm going for. But then, you know, I'm just my own worst critic when it comes to, like, watching it. I think I think we're all pretty much guilty of that at some point. But it's, um, I, it's fun. It's fun. I wish I had your versatility. When I was in L.A., everything I got cast as was uh, nerdy dad trying really hard to be cool <laughs> or nerdy teacher trying really hard to be cool. Yeah, so. well, it, it's the same here, man. You know... Basically, I'm just a blue-collar Bluto, so, you know, I got my own back brace and work gloves to show up for those auditions, you know, and now, it's just now starting to get into, like, playing some dads and stuff here and there, but, you know, before it was always, like, the heavy or the corrections officer or the mover, you know. You and I are both in a, a movie called The King of Detroit that yeah, is yeah. available on Amazon, and I think that was realizing that we were one degree away from each other. I think that was the catalyst that made me say, I'm going to send Quentin a friend request on Facebook and see <laughs> if we can really be friends because we're in this movie together. You as the dad in that movie is the heart of that movie. And that is such an endearing <laughs> part. And no one else in the city could have played that role as well as you. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, you're not sure of uh, what they're looking for or whatever, but they let me just kind of roll with it and, and create something that I had envisioned. So like that laugh is uh, based off an old landlord that my mom and I had when I was growing up. So you know. And, you know, kind of an important role because it's in part based on the writer's real life dad who is no longer around. So yeah. those were pretty big emotional shoes to step into oh, as well to honor a person that is no longer here. Quentin, thank you so much for doing this. I am so lucky to get to be in a position where I can just call on you and say, hey, you want to talk to me? <laughs> and, and you do, because I remember in the early days of any time I would watch you perform with beer money, I, I felt like I was winning the lottery. Uh, and to fast forward and be at a point where and we have each other's phone numbers now. And, hey! yeah, that's, that's my buddy. you know. That's and right, I consider myself very lucky because of the friends I have. And uh, you are an amazing friend as well as an amazing performer. Well, thank you, sir. That goes both ways, you know. This is great, man. Uh, any way I can help you. Uh, help you out on your endeavors, and uh, I'll make some tacos once this all the whole thing is over. 